Ride With Us, presented by Ace, the American Coaster Enthusiasts. Welcome to Ride With Us, us. presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a group of super fans with a mission to appreciate, promote, and preserve roller coasters around the globe. globe. It's time to keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. Here's your hosts, Clint Novak and Chris Roberry. What is up, everyone? It is Clint Novak along with my buddy... Chris Roberry, how are you doing, Clint? How's the weather out there? Oh man, it is so nice in the Fredericksburg area. Uh, Funland of Fredericksburg has been able to keep the outside rides and attractions open every weekend uh, through December, January, and February because it's been so nice. I know Six Flags Over Texas recently did their year-round operation, and they have not had many days where they've had to shut down because of weather. It's cold, but that doesn't mean you can't ride some coasters. That's right. Uh, We've got a great episode of Ride With Us coming up for you. Now, uh, we're coming up to the springtime. That means media day season is right around the corner. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, in Ace have been to media days. We're going to talk a little bit about it, break it down for you, tell you the do's and don'ts of media days. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of myths out there as to what Media Day is and, well, to be honest, what it isn't. So we want to sort of give everyone a bit of insight as from folks who have actually run a couple of Media Days ourselves. And later on, Clint, we'll be talking with Tom Zeliff, who's one of the co-creators of No Limits, and we'll give you an opportunity to win a free No Limits license so you can be your own personal Alan Shilke. Oh my god, one of one of the original roller coaster games, No Limits. I used to play that all the time. Well, also, we've got a new segment coming up in the show uh, called Coaster Families. And uh, we are going to be interviewing a family that has been riding together for quite some time. Well, you know the saying, Clint, the family that rides together stays together. And, and I think that pretty much epitomizes the Ringus family. <laughs> they will be our highlighted family coming up in our Coaster Family segment. But first, it is time for our Ace, Ace Event, 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 Event Rundown. Ace South Central invites you to join us for Ace Day at SeaWorld San Antonio on Saturday, March 21st. Come ride the tallest, fastest, and longest wooden roller coaster in the state, Texas Stingray. The event includes breakfast, dinner, multiple ERT sessions, and more. Check out acesouthcentral.org for more information. Hello, American Coaster Enthusiasts. This is Steve Berto, Regional Rep for Southern California. We are planning a fun visit to Six Flags Magic Mountain on Sunday, April the 5th. Details are forthcoming, but don't miss out on an opportunity to experience morning exclusive ride time on the park's newest coaster, West Coast Racers, and the recently reopened Apocalypse, which has been retracked. Hope to see you there. And remember, for a complete listing of events near you, visit aceonline.org. Well, Clint, a little while ago, we had the opportunity to talk with one of the co-creators of No Limits, Tom Zeliff. Now, I know you've played No Limits pretty much since the beginning, right? Uh, a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. <laughs> Careful, we can't afford the music license. <laughs> so for folks who may not know, No Limits was kind of like the first realistic roller coaster simulator. Like way before Roller Coaster Tycoon allowed you to ride things, No Limits was allowing you to do precise things. You could literally create uh, an exact replica of any ride that you wanted, whether it be a real one or one that you created on your own. And I know I spent quite a few hours just meddling around with that. And I really think No Limits really changed the way even like uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon and Planet Coaster uh, approached the way they would uh, build their games moving forward as well. Yeah, and now you look at, see just how realistic everything is and you just go, whoa. Well, No Limits was doing that 10, 15 years ago. So we had an opportunity to sit down with Tom Zeliff, who again is one of the co-creators of the program, and we got to discuss how they make things so precise. Spoiler, they work with the manufacturers, but they also use ACE members to help them out too and really get to learn how Known Limits came to be and where it's going in the future. Check it out. Well, when you think of ride simulation software, chances are that No Limits comes to mind first. And today we get the opportunity to learn about the man behind the sim, Mr. Tom Zeliff. Tom, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing quite well, and uh, thank you for that illustrious introduction. I'm not the only person behind it. I've done, I did my part. The main guy that you want to, that is, did the whole thing. It came up with the whole concept as a German man named Ole Langa, who I was happy to join with, you know, about this time, 20 years ago, to help create No Limits. Uh, I was the first person to help him out. Uh, I would love to, if you got a minute, tell you how that whole thing came to be. Oh, absolutely. We got to find out the full story. All right. Well, happy to tell it. The, so by now, hopefully everybody's heard of No Limits, and if you haven't, it's a roller coaster simulator that the whole purpose was to try and get a tool to create roller coasters as realistically as possible on the PC. Well, you may ask, why? Why did we do that? Because you may be thinking right now, there's a lot of different games that can do that. Well, you have to look back to the mid to late 1990s when there really wasn't a lot going on. There was a few games that came out that were kind of uh, theme park management games with some building. Uh, the biggest and uh, most well-known, of course, would be Roller Coaster Tycoon that everybody played. And I will be one of those everybody that played it deep into the night. And it was a ton of fun. Guilty and, is charged over here, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, who didn't? It, it was really, really well done, well-balanced, a lot of a really good time. But you couldn't ride any of those roller coasters and you were confined to using those preset Lego pieces, right? You couldn't build it any way you felt like it. You had to build only with what they gave, what what the options were inside the system. So and while you had a lot you could do, you couldn't do anything you felt like. So it left you wanting a little bit. For 3D roller coaster programs, there really wasn't much out there. Um, there were a couple of a couple of vague attempts, including this one little shareware title that very few people have heard of, uh, called Ultra Coaster 3D, which was the first one that finally let you go in any direction you wanted. Uh, you could build it uh, up sideways, left, right, and and you weren't constrained to a grid. You had a kind of a box you could build in and in 3d space and, and that was it and and it worked pretty well couldn't go underground couldn't change the train at all you had one train style um it wasn't the most realistic although it kind of looked like an arrow corkscrew train um there were some problems with the physics that you could exploit so you could have a very long gradual descending helix uh that would go around six or seven times just kind of you know, think of something like Goliath or Titan with that gradual downhill helix. So you could do that over and over and over again. And when you got to the bottom of it, shoot up to a hill really quickly that was higher than where you started. <laughs> and you could do this over and over and over again without a single lift hill anywhere on the map and get to the top of it. Yeah, that seems a bit off. Just a tad. Yeah. So, but it was really the first thing to let you go in any direction you wanted. So where Ola comes in, he was a in college working on his computer science degree loves roller coasters because i mean who doesn't right uh and he of course got to grow up with the big traveling schwarzkopfs uh hitting all the german fairs so uh that was what he was used to he looked around there really wasn't any kind of 3d roller coaster simulator he was learning a computer program he decided you know what let's see if i can just build something and see what happens so he built his own roller coaster simulator which he called no limits uh he I posted the first couple of screenshots of it, which was of Thriller, or uh, it's gone through a few different names at this point, but Thriller back in the day. And everybody just went out of their minds because it looked like the real thing. The trains looked accurate. The track style with Schwarzkopf was the first one of a 3D game like that that actually didn't have arrow or arrow-type track with that traditional U-shape. So uh, it looked great, and everybody loved it. He released a demo for it. It blew everybody's minds, at least in the computer game coaster nerd world, which is a smaller subset of reality. <laughs> uh, and released another demo after that, and then posted on his website saying, "Hey, uh, I could use some help uh, modeling trains," because he was a good programmer. Did the first couple of trains, but he was limited in what he could do, so he wanted somebody that had some experience helping with that. At the same time, I was working at a computer game company uh, doing level design. Uh, I had looked at the format that is that was used for the uh, for Ultra Coaster, figured out how to make my own trains and swap them in place of the existing train. Uh, I sent him screenshots of that, saying I've done some modeling for this, and I have a roller coaster nerd and would with a, would love to help you out on that. And so he accepted me in, and I was the first person to assist. Uh, and that was what led to No Limits 1 coming out a long, long time ago. And it was really just released with the hopes of, you know what, we hope somebody buys it. Maybe we'll have a few modest copies sold. Um, here we are 20 years later, and it's been his full-time career. Wow. I mean, yeah. you talk about just the odds of being meshed together like that 
where you've got someone who figures out the physics, figures out how to get the general look, but doesn't have that last little bit where how do we make the trains different? And then all of a sudden, here you come along and you have exactly the experience to fill in that gap. Exactly. And it was the the passion, the, the love of roller coasters I've had since uh, you know I first found out about Ace a long, long, long time ago in the very early 90s. Uh, I, I've loved roller coasters uh, since I got over my fear. Actually, before I got over my fear of them, I loved roller coasters and found them fascinating machines. Where, so I loved trains as a kid, and you know who doesn't love trains? And I brought that passion for roller coasters, uh, which to a much higher degree than what Ole had, and an eye for detail about how the trains work, how the the bogies work, how the track systems work, how everything functions together, so that I could explain. How, what I see and how it's how it's built, and I can build that into the models and help everything become more realistic. Because our, our goal is, with uh, No Limits, is really to make it you know the the Microsoft Flight Simulator of roller coasters, get it as realistic as possible, looking as realistic as possible, the physics as good as possible, and that's what we did. Do you work with any of the manufacturers directly to make it even more precise? We have, uh, and this is goes back to how it, originally with No Limits we were just hoping to see what would happen, see if some people would buy it. I mean, we absolutely had no idea what we were getting into or if this would even work. So we got it out there and it sold reasonably well. And what was amazing is that it evolved organically based on what our community was doing. So in the beginning, you could build one coaster. Uh, we had eight different styles. We could only build one per map. And you only had flat ground to work with and you could do custom supports with it. So put the tubes any, any way you wanted to. And that was pretty much it. Uh, people wanted to do more and started doing more on their own. And as they did more things, we realized, Hmm, maybe we should allow them to do that. One of the earliest things they did was creating scenery using those support tubes, kind of like Lincoln logs. Hmm. Kid, kids Google that and you'll figure out what that is. <laughs> um, but they would just, build buildings and spaceships and airplanes by just lining tubes up to create scenery to fly by. Um, one person did a full-scale uh, recreation of the Eiffel Tower and then did a kind of lame coaster that went up and down it, and it scored really high because it was a very detailed recreation of the Eiffel Tower. Um, some other people, one was a, a recreation of the uh, kind of little chunk of the trench run on the Death Star in Star Wars, where they just somehow built a just lined up tons and tons of tubes with a trench in the middle of it and had a coaster that kind of weaved in the middle and built a, a tie fighter out of tubes and an x-wing out of tubes and it was very creative and and, and all of that showed us you know, like, they really want to build the objects maybe we should give them the ability to import 3d objects and so we did uh and then we added the ability to to shape the terrain we added wooden coasters uh and Wooden coasters was one of the first times we worked with a manufacturer uh, to get those ones done. If you can, the the supports were pretty pretty straightforward. We had a couple of prefab supports where you could just kind of click a general support shape, click on the track, and it would add that shape of support. Mm -hmm. And you could build your own support structure uh, by adding the nodes, basically little, little dots that you would connect and put it on the track, and you could piece your own supports together for when you had you know you're crossing over your own track and you had to make room for that. Uh, if you can imagine trying to do a wooden coaster that way with this structure that has to be very repetitive, you would just go out of your mind with tedium and boredom and no one would ever finish it. So we knew that we would need to have some kind of automated support builder in place. And the question then though is, all right, how how does it work? What's the pattern? What is this, what's the size of everything of each of those beams? How do they go? What is the purpose of them? And for that... Uh, I started doing a little bit of research and started trying to contact some of these coaster companies uh, like PTC. Um, I, I'm trying to remember, I don't think the Gravity Group existed yet, but PTC was around. Uh, did they change? Uh, no, they changed over to the Gravity Group. I think GCI is the one that I also tried to find some contact for. Um, long story short on that, I actually did hear back from Michael Graham of uh, who had just started working for the Gravity Group. And he, he saw what was possible and what, the potential of this uh, a long way off. Because, of course, he his claim to fame while he was becoming an, en an engineering student to 
well, learn engineering, obviously, <laughs> uh, was building those amazing detailed scale models uh, for Magnum model coasters, which was amazing stuff back in the internet. Again, do some Googling. I don't know if you can actually find evidence of it, but he built a, you know, from scratch, a perfect version of the uh, Aero corkscrew train, machining all the parts and, and building the track with the cross size and everything himself and built a very large, impressive six looping monster that was touring museums. It was beautiful and perfect replica. So he had the same kind of creative spark of wanting to make things look as good as possible that we did and also recognized that because the simulation of no limits was so good if there was a way that the wooden structure would build itself and be built the right way automatically it would make it their job to be able to show a park hey here's a wooden coaster i want to build you and how realistic it's going to look when they can very quickly put it together it would be a huge benefit for them so he helped us out, uh, and with the help of another programmer named Jennifer, we built this support builder and included it there. So that way you could design your wooden coaster any way you wanted to, click a few buttons, and a support structure would appear that was built with the same you know theory that is applied by the real coaster manufacturers. Wow, so to think that a fan program that folks just made for fun at first mm-hmm has now been used to help sell real rides in the real world. That must blow your mind. It, it really does. And as we moved along and went further along, it, we found out more things that were going on in the industry before we had made more contacts with various people in the, in the industry. Uh, there are a couple of other fun stories with it. One, that was the one where the first time we worked with the manufacturer to get some, and we just, we just wanted information, really. That was all we were looking for. And Michael was kind enough to uh, donate his time to explain it to us and give us a couple of graphics because he saw what they would, the benefit they'd get out of it. And later, we helped them build a special version um, where we tweaked the we, we tweaked a few of the calculations of the physics and the friction a little bit so that uh, they would be able to show off the voyage uh, and what that was going to look like uh, in advance of it actually being built. And they knew the exact calculations of what they wanted it to get to, so uh, we helped them set it up so that it would the friction correctly, so it would get to that point and be as close as possible. And yep, sure enough, there's a video. There are videos of the computer rendered version of the voyage. That's no limits from way back when. Um, and just so to that was starting to interrupt you, but that, at the time that the voyage comes out and this animation comes out, this was not normal for the industry. It was much more a hey, we've got this concept art which is usually a painting or something like that. You didn't have a full in-depth experience that you could, well, let's be honest, criticize before <laughs> the ride was even announced. This was way before that. Way, way before that. And in some of those early days too, if the parks wanted to spend a lot of money, they could have three uh, fully rendered videos done. So but that was a really cool instance. Here's another really cool uh, uh, instance that also completely blew our mind. Vacoma was working on a new coaster concept, the motorbike one. And before they were doing their very first one, they wa- they realized they wanted to show kind of what it would be like uh, in a real-time simulation and reached out to one of our fans uh, on one of our community sites to talk about, hey, is there any way that we can, do you know any of the people that do this, that built the simulator? Can you help us build some 3D objects and make kind of this neat little 3D scene? And he said, sure, I'll help. And he contacts us and says, hey, Vacoma contacted me. They wanted to work on this custom motorbike thing and was wondering if you could help by kind of building the train. And we're like, can we talk to Vacoma? <laughs> and he, he got us in touch with, with Vacoma and we started working with them. And that turned into our first time getting contracted by a coaster manufacturer to add a custom coaster style of theirs, in this case it was a prototype, into our game. So tell me how that felt. I, it mind-boggling, because now here we are, remember, this whole time we're fans of roller coasters and this the magnificent creations that are out there. And one of the major companies, Vacoma, now wants to work with us at and you know, we have to take the fanboy side of us that's screaming like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and just shush. And work with them as colleagues on something. I, it, it was just so bizarre. 
again, we just wanted to make really cool roller coasters that are as authentic and realistic looking as possible. And it's become the staple of the industry for visual visualization. Premier Rides is another one that has use, uses it, us extensively. Um, six, I've talked to people, Six Flags uses it to uh, bounce ideas back and forth and just to noodle around with, with ideas and send those back and forth with manufacturers. Uh, Stengel Group, they use it um, to discuss ideas before they're going to get to the main engineering. It's been used as the primary, uh, the primary uh, video uh, for marketing purposes of here's what the new ride's going to be like, both for stills and for uh, video. I mean, I see it in, in Ace publications of, hey, here's the new thing coming out. It's like, that's no limits. That's really awesome. Uh, and then I see it occasionally on t-shirts at parks. Or rather than take a photo of their actual roller coaster that's sitting right there, there might be a kind of iffy-looking recreation of it done inside of No Limits that they may have just downloaded somewhere, or whatever third party has been contracted to do t-shirts. They'll just download a, a kind of iffy recreation of that coaster, take a screenshot of it, and then use that on a t-shirt, which is funny and hilarious and, and bad and you kind of cringe sometimes. Uh, uh, among the worst offenders out there was... Uh, there was a shirt at Magic Mountain for Tatsu that was, I presume that they took the, or they took the screenshot before that we had actually added the flying coaster style. So the closest they could get was the, uh, the inverted coaster style so that the track was in the right area, but to get the train to look long enough, since of course the, the flying coaster trains are much longer than the inverteds, uh, the, it was something like a 16 car train that was about <laughs> to go on the wrong, on the inverted or the pretzel loop, and it just looks so bad. I'm like, guys, the ride's right there. You could take a picture of it and silhouette it and get the same thing, but no, you're, you're doing it through us, which is funny and just sad, but funny. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just got to get that merch out there. Yeah, you, you do. Uh, so, but it, it's still just mind-boggling how much we're a part of this, and we've, we've been able to meet a number of manufacturers. We went to IAPA for the first and only time in 2009. Going around at the various booths was also a complete trip because we saw some people that we had met before. Uh, Vekoma kept us captive in their booth for a while, showing us cool concepts and also making us uh, fix one installation of No Limits that wasn't working right. But they were showing us a bunch of cool ideas that they were going to be showing in private to prospective clients. And of course, these were all No Limits simulations of what they had in mind. Then other companies that we had done work for some companies we'd done work for that the U.S. representative had no idea who we are, like Zamperla, and everything in between. And it was, again, surreal that we're walking around. Again, they're not looking at us as fans once we identify who we are. Or they see the name on the badge. It's like, oh, you're these guys. This, you're on, on par with us. We've had a lot of very talented people that have essentially at this point, 20 years in, have grown up with no limits and have it's inspired them to go off to college and pick up engineering degrees and now work in the industry and one of the major things on their resumes as they get into the industry into various companies uh, either themed entertainment design companies or coaster uh, designers manufacturers is the fact that they have all this experience in no limits which is used so heavily and there's a gentleman that works for premier rides now that was one of our fans did really really well in the community doing some amazing things finished college they hired him right away they had a they, as soon as he finished he, he had a standing job offer to go off to to move to baltimore and he was involved in the design of some things that are out there now and you know he's living the dream of wanting to grow up and design roller coasters well tom if someone's listening to this and they say you know what i've got to try this out where can they find no limits where can they upload their files and where can they be part of the roundup well, the easiest way to get it these days is on Steam. Uh, just go to Steam, search for No Limits uh, Roller Coaster Simulator, where the only thing that's going to come up is a free demo you can try, or just go ahead and purchase the program. You won't be sorry. Um, you can also buy from our main website to get the standalone version, uh, and that's nolimitscoaster.com. And you have the standard professional version. Professional version and standard, they have all the same rendering capabilities for doing the real-time rendering on all those tools. The professional one gives you uh, additional media creation and content creation capabilities to do uh, higher-end video capture up to 4K, 60 frames a second. Um, and you can, including equirectangular video capture, so you can do the 360 POV uh, videos like you see on YouTube where it actually works. So you can scroll around it or put on some VR, uh, you know, Google cardboard or something like that to look in your direction and see what the coaster looks like um, and poster size screenshots so you can take a screenshot that's far larger in resolution than your monitor and 
suitable for printing a giant billboard with. Uh, and we have some things like that. Things that we originally developed for our professional uh, and coaster contacts that are in, in the real world and the real amusement industry and then released as a professional version for No Limits 2. So those tools are available for, if, for the people who want to upgrade to them. And if that's not your thing, you just want to create and ride roller coasters and download them, you can do that too. The VR works in both versions and it's it's just spectacular. So Steam or NoLimitsCoaster.com, uh, easiest ways to get it. And then to be part of the roundups, just post it to YouTube and include No Limits 2 or NL2 in the name and we'll find you. And if it's good, then you'll rank on our roundup. Well, everybody, the gauntlet has been laid. Get on out there, get into No Limits, design something amazing, something creative, something different. And you never know, you just might be the winner of the roundup and live onto No Limits glory. Tom Zellif, thank you so much for talking with us today. I've learned quite a bit more about computer programming than I think I ever would have thought of, but I've learned so much. I'm excited about this. I can't wait to download it myself. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's it's been great again to to give back. To uh, I had so much enjoyment of being part of Ace and and consuming all the media that having a chance to to give back in various ways and talk to other people that are giving back and uh, being part of that and, and adding to the inspiration and then helping others find other ways that they can explore their their passion their this passion that we share for roller coasters in different ways. You know, thank you so much for giving me a chance to hop on here and talk to everybody and hope everybody had a good time listening to me blather on for a while. <laughs> I think they absolutely did. Thanks for riding with us, Tom. Thanks for having me. Well, exciting news for all the ACE members out there. If you thought that was a great interview, we have more for you in the in the form of bonus content. All you have to do is head on over to aceonline.org and log into your account for exclusive bonus footage, not only from this podcast, but from others as well. That's right. And in addition to that, we're giving away a free No Limits license. But all you got to do is just drop us a review on your favorite podcast service. We're going to choose one at random and that person's going to be flying high, being their own personal Alan Shilke designing rides on No Limits. Pretty awesome. Nice, nice. Well, Chris, we've got media days just around the corner uh, as uh, parks wrap up their uh, new rides and attractions, and uh, they're getting ready to open for the season. They usually throw on some big soiree with uh, all sorts of uh, like public dignitaries and fans and, of course, the media. And uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about what media days are and uh, who gets to go. That's right, because you hear a lot about them where, oh, I got to go to media day. It was super sweet. Well, it is. It, in fact, it's kind of a pretty cool thing when you think about it. The park generally isn't open, uh, depending on what time of year that they actually throw the event. And you get to invite all of the local media out to promote the ride and say, hey, look, we're open for the year. Here is this brand new incredible attraction or brand new service that we're going to be offering. And it's a great way to get the message out there. And sometimes when we're lucky, the parks will invite ACE members out there to help, but we're not necessarily there just to ride rides, right, Clint? That's correct. Uh, usually uh, they're inviting the ACE members out to, okay, if you're opening up a roller coaster and they have media, they need to fill the trains of the coaster in order to make it look good on video. And so what they're doing with the ACE members is they're filling the train with people to ride. Does that mean that it's an ERT? No. no. In fact, no, if you're a no. military person or know someone in the military, you know this phrase, hurry up and wait. Anytime that there's video cameras involved, there's usually a lot of downtime where they're resetting, putting memory cards in, taking GoPros off, uh, getting the next talent ready. And uh, a media day, there's going to be a lot of, let's say, on-air talent uh, ready to go. So all of those faces need to get their face time on the ride. And so there's usually a lot of downtime when it comes to a media event. I've been going to media events since 2003 because of uh, previous podcasts that I've been affiliated with and uh, YouTube channels and such. So my very first media day was actually, I want to say it was Tomb Raider Firefall at King's Dominion. I think that was my very first media day. Oh, and how sad. Isn't that the one that just got torn out? Hey, 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 hey. 
Yes, yes, that's the one that they've announced is closing. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I've had, I've been to I've been to the media day for King to Caw. I've been to uh, media days all over the U.S. It's really I enjoy media days because I get to uh, hang out with people that I only get to see around that time of year, like Jerry from Coaster Force and other uh, media personnel that uh, travel around and get to get a chance to do some of these ride openings. One thing that you have to watch out for is, uh, well, I should say, okay, how do you qualify to be part of the media is really what I want to say. So in order to be part of the media, it's really that that phrase is going to be determined by the park that you want to attend the media day of. So really, they're going to have stipulations as to what they consider media, whether or not it's a YouTube page or if it's a radio station or if it's a a newspaper, whatever it may be. And typically what they're going to do is they're going to have a list of, you know, criteria that you would have to meet in order to be considered media in the eyes of them. So some of them will say, okay, well, if you're a YouTube channel, you have to have 10,000 subscribers and you have to have over a million views. There's certain criteria that you're going to have to meet. So if you do have a website, and you're interested in going to a media day, you can always contact the park and ask them what the criteria is. Sometimes they'll be able to send you uh, one sheet that will give you a rundown of their like Instagram criteria, YouTube, website, all of that kind of information. And then you would have to compile that and send it back to them. So media days aren't ace events. They're not ERT. They're not CoasterCon. They're not even a regional event. ACE is basically giving the parks some help. And like you said, to fill those seats, make those trains look really full and full of excited people who are genuinely anticipating this ride opening. And here's the other thing I think a lot of people don't quite understand. You're not going to be the first person to ride this ride. I know it it kills people to hear that, but by no means can be the first person to say that, yes, I got in this ride before anybody else, because that's absolutely not true. There are engineers, there are park representatives, there are also potentially some folks that work with charities for that so-called first ride. There are a lot of people that go before that. So don't worry if you don't get invited to a media day or your park isn't doing a media day for a new ride. You're not losing out on a whole lot, be honest. It's getting up super early, and we're talking like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning for some of these programs, and waiting around a lot, pretty much doing nothing, waiting for that next shot. Because remember, it's all about whatever that media group is doing. So if that shot's at 6.04 and the next shot's at 7.04, that ride's not going to be running for an hour. It's going to be sitting there because you don't want to keep pushing that camera to go through so many cycles because eventually it's going to become loose. Yeah, and that's not to say that if Ace doesn't get invited to a Media Day event, if they do get invited... Definitely, if you can come, you should come and have a great time because, you know, there is going to be some downtime, but the good news is, is uh, you're not going to have a long wait, a long line. So, <laughs> And since you got a bunch of other ace friends out there, you can hang out and talk coasters. It's not a bad way to pass the time, I don't think. What do you think, Clint? I love hanging out at uh, Media Days, chatting and uh, doing all the video stuff. So uh, I-, I have a great time. So we're curious to hear what you think, though. What did you think Media Day was? And... What do you think about it now? Have you been to one before? Let us know by sending us a recording to podcast at aceonline.org. Tell us what you thought Media Day was, or if you've been to one, what your experience was. And you never know, we might just use your audio in the next show. That's right. And now it's time for a brand new segment. Recently, Andrew had a chance to sit down with the Ringus family to learn how they became ACE members and why thrill rides help bring them closer together. It's our first ever segment of Coaster Family. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. I'm a, uh, one of the contributing producers for the ACE Ride With Us podcast. And uh, who are you guys? Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Basilios. I'm Alina. I'm Callista. And I'm Evangelos. Great. Thank you, guys. And so I understand that you guys have a couple things in common. One, you are all in the same family. And then there's something else you guys have in common. What's that about? Roller coasters. We all love roller coasters. Awesome. Awesome. So do I. So I think that's why we're talking today. All right. So I've got some questions for you guys. The first question is, um, how long has each of you been part of ACE? So Evangelist and I joined ACE in 1999. So this year is 20 years for us. Being wow. Wow. Congrats. It's been a wonderful journey to have been part of this club for so long. It's unbelievable. It's been 20 years. I think back to when we joined, and I never thought it would be such a big part of our lives 
um, and we would ride so many coasters. But the kids all joined Ace right after they were born. We added them to our family membership. Their entire lives, they've been an Ace member. So you got you got them in right away. You locked them in. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so what inspired you guys to join Ace? So um, I think uh, if I remember correctly, it was kind of a surprise. Elizabeth uh, really uh, it was an anniversary surprise. I think our one year anniversary. So we got married ninety eight and joined ninety eight. Yeah, ninety nine. So one year anniversary, Elizabeth surprised me and said, "Hey, I got us a membership in this roller coaster club." And I'm like, "What? How'd you hear about that?" And it turns out, so we live in Cincinnati just outside of Kings Island. And uh, she saw, I think, the, the plaque there, or maybe you saw the celebration of the beast online. Yeah, they were on the news that morning. Okay. Before I went to work, I saw American Coaster Enthusiast celebrates the beast's birthday. And I thought, well, I want to be there riding the beast at 8 a.m. before I go to work. So I found Ace online. You know, in those days, it wasn't so easy to find it. Found Ace and found out one of the benefits was a morning walk back to ride the first ride on the beast every day. And I thought, oh, we really want to do that. So that was the big selling point for me to make sure we joined. And we did. We enjoyed that beast walk back so many mornings. Weekend mornings, we'd pop up there and made lifelong friends meeting up at the plaque to go and ride the beast for the first ride of the morning. That is awesome. That's so cool. So again, a few things to unpack there. So as you said, it's kind of hard to find Ace back then. Not anymore. Ace is easy to find. We're all over the internet on the socials. But back in, in 99, that was in the very early days in the internet. I started using the internet in about 94 when I was in college. But yeah, I mean, websites barely existed back then and, you know, not like it is today. And so that was a year, year before you were getting married. So 98. So yes, the 20th birthday for the beast. And that that is so great. I remember... You know, uh, back in back in the Paramount days, especially uh, Kings Island, because I went there my further my first time in 2001. They really treated Ace members really special. I remember, you know, great perks. And back when I went there in 01, I got uh, ERT uh, with some Ace friends of mine when I went there that were locals on Son of Beast with the loop. You know, I, I have that <laughs> rare credit. <laughs> Andrew, we lived about three miles from the park, so it was nice. That's awesome. That's we were awesome. Very spoiled. We could just dart up there after work and take the last ride of the night on the beast after work it was such a treat to be that close to the park and we were we were infamous for driving up there and going oh no the parking lot's too crowded let's go home that's <laughs> right because you live so close i've done that that's with local parks myself here in florida southern california disneyland we've driven, driven up there it's too busy we go back home or just grab some lunch or something so so and so both of you guys would consider yourselves uh, fans of coasters or enthusiasts in, in 1998 at that point when you joined, I'm assuming. Definitely. We found out um, I had always been out of the norm on my enjoyment of roller coasters. Um, but once when we got married, we, you know, we were living in Ohio and didn't really know anybody. We had been relocated. And so um, the park was something for us to go do and get out of the house. And so we um, found that we really enjoyed going up and just spending the evening at the park, eating dinner there and hanging out. We learned that we liked roller coasters now as as kids we didn't like travel tons and say we want to go ride all the coasts all over the country but we realized oh people can do that <laughs> nice, nice. just starting to kind of see what you could do with it and really become a, a real big enthusiast like you know people are these days absolutely great so actually that probably is a good uh, segue into our next question so next thing i'd like to ask you is what have you found that you loved about ace after joining so take yourselves back to that 1998, 1999, you know, for Elizabeth and Evangelist, you know, what was it like those first years of ACE? What did you love about it? And for the kids, you know, I'd love to hear from you guys. You know, obviously you guys joined right when you were born. You, you didn't have a choice in the matter, but maybe once you were, you know, in your maybe pre-teens or, you know, back to as early as you can remember being coaster enthusiasts, doing ACE events perhaps, you know, what is your earliest mem memories of ACE? Well, I like the fact that we've met so many like other kids from, the mid-Atlantic region, we can reach out to everybody and meet new people. Nice. The first thing I remember really liking is just how, even when I was a little bit younger, it was always that I was riding coasters before the park opened. I think that was so, in my head, that was so crazy. I was like, oh my goodness, the park is not open yet, and I'm riding all these coasters. It was just really cool. My favorite memory probably from Ace is the first year I went to IAPA in Florida. I really liked it because I got a lot of other aces and the and coaster manufacturers. Nice. And how old were you when you did that? Ten. Yeah, I think. It was wow. 
Wow, he probably had to be one of the youngest people going to IAPA. I'm I'm uh, 45, and I'm not ashamed of my age. And I'm going to IAPA for the first time ever uh, this coming week. It's going to be amazing. I'm so looking forward to it. So I've been so excited ever since moving to Florida to have the opportunity to be a local and do that. So that's great. So how about uh, Elizabeth Evangelist? How about your early memories of ACE? Well, again, um, it's going back to when Elizabeth and I first joined. I I remember doing the walk back at Kings Island. I don't know if they still do it, but back then, uh, in 99, 2000, uh, pretty much every morning you could meet up 15 minutes before the park opened. You would meet up right in the front area. There was a, an ACE plaque and you met there. And one of the marketing representatives, Jeff Sieber or someone else would uh, say, okay, all ACE is here. All right, let's go walk back. And they would take us back to the beast to get the first ride on it. Awesome. I really enjoyed that. The passion that, of the people I met early on to get to hear more of the insight and learn what it was really like. I'd never thought about an amusement park in a different sense other than just going occasionally because that's what I grew up with was I got to go one time a year and occasionally to Disney. But the hear these stories of all these great trips people had been going on and how much fun they were having. I feel like I really built these friendships that have lasted these 20 years. And I, I really remember one of our first events was a spring conference at Silver Dollar City. I think it was 01 and wildfire was new. And I remember that it was gonna rain. And I thought, oh, what will it be like in the rain? And everybody, those trains were full, but the, that rain was like pins and needles hitting us. But everybody rode over and over. And I think to this day, that's one of the most fun ERT sessions I have ever had. And you would never believe it was absolutely pouring the rain. That's awesome. That's really cool. That that actually reminds me. So I mentioned uh, my first trip to Kings Island in 2001. Really got the nice ACE treatment. It was actually probably, quite frankly, it was my first ACE kind of special thing for me was actually getting that ERT on Son of Beast. So it's the day started off awesome again. You know, like the kids are saying, riding, also awesome to ride before the park opens and get, you know, ride a few t- rides in a row and on this brand new coaster that was, you know, at the time, of course, so unique, with only one of its kind in the world. And then my day ended quite amazingly well, not necessarily because of Ace, so to speak, specifically, but uh, my Ace friends. So I guess in that way, they, I wouldn't have done this if they hadn't told me, they said, it's nighttime, it's, the park's almost closed, we got to go on the beast, we got to get night rides on the beast. That's and, the best ride is the nighttime on the beach. Oh, yeah. Wow. No lighting out there all in the woods. And so we went over there and it was raining. So that's made me think your story about wildfire made me think of this. And we were waiting in the in the station there. And, you know, of course, it's all made out of wood and everyone's into it. They're all excited. People are stamping their feet. The uh, the main ride up with the microphones, getting everyone excited. And oh, my God, that was amazing. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, the Beast is, 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 oh, yeah, it's one of my favorite coasters. It's great. So, so guys, so I know all of you, you know, husband and wife, three kids. There's, you know, the five of you, the, that's, and that's the whole family, right? That's the whole, yeah. like, nuclear family. Okay. And you all are roller coaster enthusiasts. And so is there anyone else maybe in your extended family, cousins, aunts, uncles, grand, grandparents, you know, that are enthusiasts as well or occasionally join in? No, really, everyone thinks we're crazy. i can can understand that a lot of people think i'm crazy my own husband thinks we've had a lot of support and we've had a lot of support from our dogs and we've had to leave them here on trips they understand oh mom and dad go around roller coasters Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep they've got the dogs got to wait yeah that's that's that makes sense they're very supportive that's awesome so next question i'd like to ask is you know, you've talked about these kind of unique ACE experiences, especially early on, the walk back, some of the ERT, you know, the ACE events. So overall, or, you know, and perhaps there's another experience that you could allude to with this. What difference does being part of ACE make in your family? What has it done for your family? ACE has changed a lot of stuff, like all the vacations and all the wonderful stuff we've gotten and seen. We wouldn't have done without coasters. It wouldn't have been an incentive for us to go there. Interesting. Got yeah. it. It's, it's created a focal point for trips. Like, hey, we're going to go visit this park. Hey, what else is there to do out there? Are there people out there we haven't seen? And it's also created goals and missions for us, you know, fun goals. Hey, let's let's get our 300 roller coaster or let's go. How many parks can we visit this trip? Yeah. And one goal we set as a family, at, every year we sit down and talk about what parks do we really want to visit next year, looking at who's going to have something new, where have we not been, What's a bucket list park that we really want to go to? 
And it brings us together in conversation. It's something we can all talk about and look forward to together. Um, but one thing is we always do as a family is we figure out one park that we're going to visit that's brand new for us that we have never been to and can have a completely new experience to, and share it all together. That's that's amazing. So it really sounds like Ace and, and the coaster being coaster enthusiasts, part of that same, each one of you having the same hobby. Because if you think about it, a lot of family, especially with multiple kids, you know, one kid likes video games, another kid likes this sport. And obviously, I'm sure you have your individual things as well, but you, not a lot of families where the parents and the kids have the same interest, this this passion, this thing that they can share together. That That is so awesome. That's amazing. What has been your best memory or your best ACE event or best memory of an ACE event? Definitely my first CoasterCon. It was the first Holiday World. It was CoasterCon 39. And that, you, you said you went to Holiday World? Um, yeah, Holiday World, Six Flags St. Louis, Kentucky Kingdom, uh, Beach Bend, and my first Litterbond. Yeah, the one in Kansas. Wow. Now, what, what made, that, made that special for you? Uh, just It was my first CoasterCon, and it was just my first time spending a whole week with people doing the same thing. I made some really close friends that week. It was just really awesome. That's great. So that was kind of your first event where you kind of realized, wow, there's there's a community aspect to this and meeting people and just sharing your passion, which is great already sharing it with your family, but sharing it beyond your family, right? Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. That coaster con really stood out in our entire family. And I think it just plays into the crazy things we do. You know, how do we fit it all in? What is the craziest idea of how to fit in all the coasters we want to ride? And that trip really stood out because we flew out after school ended for us on that Friday and landed really late. But we were at Slitterbond at 80, ready to go and kick off COD. We always look at there's this level of exhaustion that's like none other on a, through ACE events. And a one-day ACE event is exhausting in itself because you do so much in one day between the socialization and eating a ton of food and riding all the rides. And then throw in doing that for an entire week to go into it already tired. I think that's one thing honestly made it even more memorable that it was completely crazy all the things we fitted into that week. That first con was very special because we had never done anything like that where we had flown in so late and it's been a whole week just riding roller coasters. And it was just amazing to have that sensation and all week long. Yeah, and we had always been intimidated um, to go to CoasterCon with kids, not knowing what it would be like of how to juggle the ERTs, how to juggle being that tired. How would it really work as a family? And we found that there were lots of other families that we were able to hang out with. You know, and one thing we did a lot at ACE events when we, the kids were younger was a lot of parent swapping. But going to an ACE event with really little children, we found that there were other ACE members willing to help us out and they would keep the kids while we actually got to ride together, which was a rarity for us when they were very young. So that was a big treat for us to have that cohesive group that was really there to support us. But that first CoasterCon, not knowing how we could juggle the late night ERTs, I remember rolling out of, yo, what time did we leave that night? About 1 a.m. Yeah, I mean, we were rolling out of the park at 1 a.m. and back at the park super early and everybody was on board. That's what was really fun about it is that it wasn't that they, everybody didn't want to do it. They were all embracing the fun. That, how fantastic that's you know and, I, and I've, I've seen similar things with ace events that i've gone to is that sense of community like you said having people to help out with the kids and just people just you know enjoying some positivity in something doing something you love that's that's so great that's i, I love that thank you for sharing that guys so i would like to you know talk to the kids a little bit so calista melina vasilio so what do you love most about being a kid in ace i I love most about how it's very special because so many adults accept you and just don't treat you any different. And it's a lot of fun because you meet other kids and you make a lot of friends across the um, U.S. I really enjoy the fact that we get to go to a lot of media days and photo shoots because they always use kids for the shots and stuff. Okay, I just like being able to go to all these parks all over the country and not really have to worry about any of the responsibility of it. <laughs> Our parents watch us. We just get to go have fun in the park all day and all these new places. It's awesome. <laughs> so it sounds like a couple of you mentioned kind of kind of something similar, which is where you're you're really enjoying yourself and you're able to be more a part of things. You know, like you said, the the adults accept you and you're able to kind of just enjoy the park. And thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. So here's something that's this next question might be a little scary, 
but I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. So how do you think your lives would be different if you guys weren't riding coasters together? You know, perhaps you are enthusiasts, or maybe just a couple of you are, but you as a family, imagine if you were not riding coasters together, planning these trips, doing these trips each year, going to these parks, going to these events. How would things be different? I don't think we'd be as close as a family. It really brings us together because we all have that common thing that we love in between us, and we always just planning these exciting trips. We sit down, we think about what we want to do, we want what we want to make sure we do. It just really brings us together. We wouldn't be as close without it. Yeah, and adding on to what Calissa said, we all do so many sports and stuff, so we're all doing different things. It's nice to have one thing that we can all come back to and talk to about. Wow, nice. Well, I'm glad we've had the opportunity to do these trips together. As the kids get older, you know, with different activities, it's sometimes tougher. I'm like, oh, okay, we're going here, you're going there. But when we get to go to a, an ACE event all together, it, it's fantastic. And so if we hadn't had the opportunity, you know, yeah, I guess we would have some other different vacations. Maybe we would figure out some other way to, to, to bond us. But this, you know, having the uh, an ACE event uh, and kind of that common appetite for that type of fun, it gave us a target, you know, as far as planning a vacation sometimes. Right. And it's something that the kids automatically get excited about and make it a priority. And I think that's been a big thing for me is make it, they make it a priority. When we're talking about, oh, we're going to go to this event, they start figuring out, oh, how can I juggle my schedule so I can be there too? You know, it's not dragging them somewhere. It's not forcing them to go. It's that they are self-motivated. Nice. So, so it's something where you guys all want to do it. And it's something you obviously even you share together by nature. And it's something that's really helped you guys have a better quality of life as a family and be closer together. That I mean, who could ask for anything more, you know, in a family and, and you know, your relationships with each other. That's great. So so the next question, and this is kind of more of a general open-ended question, is how would you say you coaster in your family? How do you go about it? We're really intense. We just, <laughs> we go somewhere, we do all we can. We don't, sleep isn't important. A trip that reminds me of, how, of intense coastering, two years ago on Memorial Day, about two days before we decided to go up to Cedar Point, in about a day and a half, we rode every coaster at Cedar Point, and we really moved through there to be able to ride everything. Wow, that's intense. We've done, we've done a lot of last-minute trips, so we've had, you know, the intensity has helped us get ready to go. <laughs> so and, I'm guessing yeah. there's a lot of excitement that leads into this that keeps you guys going. I yeah. think everybody kind of what takes pause anytime I say, hey, I have an idea. I think they're always a little afraid of what I've come up with, like that Cedar Point trip, because we were supposed to be going camping, but the weather was horrible. So I looked at the map and I thought, oh, everything's clear west of Pittsburgh. Where can we go? Let's go to Cedar Point. And I think they thought I was crazy or kidding. <laughs> and we ended up taking off. We picked them up from school at four o'clock, drove pulled in at Cedar Point at about 1230. When we pulled in that night, Cedar Point was actually working on Steel Vengeance to get it up and running the next day. We saw all the maintenance people down in there and working on the trains to make sure it was up and running the next day. Oh, we could see them in back welding and we thought, oh, we're probably not going to get to ride Steel Vengeance because we really went with the saying, "We're not, if we get to ride it, it's just a nice bonus. And the next morning they had it open on time. We wow. got to enjoy a first thing in the morning ride on Steel Vengeance. And then we were very greedy and went for our first ride the next morning too and got two rides that weekend. But that was one of the weekends of, oh, hey, y'all, I have an idea. And at lunchtime we were done at Cedar Point And I said, you know, on our way home, we could stop at Conneaut Lake because we've never been there. Let's go to Conneaut Lake. And we did. <laughs> We went to Conneaut Lake, and then we finished to Conneaut Lake, and I said, hey, y'all, I have an idea. And we went to Waldemere um, on their great twilight ticket. Five o'clock, we pop in at Waldemere and enjoy our first visit there, too, and made quite a Memorial Day weekend memory there. And that's it. I, I'm so grateful I get to look back on these great memories that we've shared together. That's, wow, that's that's intense. So, so obviously some of your trips you were talking about earlier, where you guys get excited, the kids get involved, where you're planning trips, you know, maybe some of the events, the cons and so forth. But then a couple examples you're just talking about there where it's very last minute spur of the moment. That's And that's, I think, it's one, one of the things that's great about being an ace and, and being an enthusiast and with all the parks all over the country is you can really do it how you want. You know, you can plan it 
you know, from the extreme of say for Disney where you're getting the fast passes and, and the, the, your meals and everything in advance and you're getting the anticipation. So people have the countdown timers and you can do that for other parks too, of course. And then there's also, you know, this, the spur of the moment, you know, based on where you are, how much time you have that that's outstanding. So you guys have already told me about some of your coaster adventures, but I'm curious, and maybe it's that Memorial Day trip, because that's pretty interesting what you shared, Elizabeth. But is there any kind of, maybe even more than that, any kind of crazy coaster trip you guys have taken? You know, crazy intense or something unique? Well, we went on a um, trip up to Connecticut, and on our way up, we thought we'll go up early and do a big coaster trip in a week. I can't even count how many parks we went to that week, but I think in total, each of us got maybe like 30 coasters. We got a lot of coasters because we saw that. I know Six Legs New England. We started some other small parts up in um, New England. Uh, we went to Canopy Lake. Oh, yeah. Canopy Lake Compounds. Really Lake Compounds. I hit my member on Phobia Fia Coaster. I hit my 250th coaster on Phobia Fia Coaster at Lake Compounds. Wow. Nice. I think uh, when I think of some special trips, I think of internationally, we did go into Canada uh, to uh, the Vancouver Playland. Park, right? Yeah, we've ridden roller coaster at Playland at the PE. And that was one of those tough credits, but we're really excited to have done. And I think it's one that everybody really remembers. That was a really fun coaster and made that trip. Nice, nice. So that international, that's exciting. So, kind of following on from that, my, my last question for you guys is you know, you talked about, you know, obviously taking trips and, and one of the things that's interesting about being a coaster enthusiast is there's sort of that travel component that's a big part of it. You know, in order to get those additional credits, you can't just keep going to your local parks. You know, you got to travel and traveling, of course, is fun, but traveling can be challenging and, you know, traffic and getting flights and so forth. So, you know, is there any, (laughs) yeah, very expensive. uh, Absolutely. So, um, you know, you mentioned going to Vancouver, et cetera, so travel and whatnot. So, What's the craziest thing you guys have done as a family to get a credit, to ride a coaster, to get to a certain park, or maybe to an event? One, one of my craziest was I was on a work trip, but we were together on a charter bus, so I didn't have my own transportation. Not having my own transportation, I hadn't even looked to see what was in the area. We we're riding along on the charter bus, and I look out the window, and there's a roller coaster. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I can figure out how to ride that roller coaster today, so... <laughs> I, as we drive, I started counting blocks to see how far it was going to be to get back to that park. And it was Waterville, USA. So an area of the country I'd never been to before. I thought, well, how far will we drive? Am I going to have to take a taxi? How am I going to figure this out? We were only 10 blocks from the beach. So when we stopped, we ate lunch. And I told my work group, I said, y'all, I'll be back in about an hour. And I'm going to walk up there and ride that coaster. I think they all thought I was kidding. But so... <laughs> I took off and I walked, actually just walked it. It was a really nice walk from the beach up to Waterville. I rode the coaster and walked back to the beach. When I came back, they're like, you really went and rode that coaster, didn't you? I'm like, yeah. And now I'm so glad I did because that was the only time I ever visited Waterville. So I walked around the park a little bit and got that credit that we lost that coaster this year. Wow, that's that's intense. I, I love that story. I've, I've done things along those lines where I've really, you know, again, that planned it. Found out about something when I was traveling I didn't know about. I'm like, ooh, I got to get over there too, or I got to, you know, make move things around in my schedule and figure out how to get there and check the hour, see how late I can get there and fit it in. That's really cool. That's really fun. Exactly. So, that's it. And Evangelist <laughs> has a rare credit that the rest of us don't have because he's tra- was traveling for work. Yeah, I was going to the Philippines for work, but the, the bigger part wasn't open. But I knew that there were a couple of small roller coasters in the malls. And it's a pop- popular thing there in these giant malls to have a roller coaster on the top floor, uh, a little mini park. So I made a special trip out to these malls. And the thing is, the hotel I was at said, you, you want to walk here too far? We'll take you uh, via shuttle. And they were, they were surprised. They were, you want to go ride a roller coaster? And, and the, the mall stop wasn't the normal stop for them. And they said, well, we'll make an exception. We'll go. And then we'll meet you back exactly 30 minutes. You must be there. And so they had to drop me off, had to go by the road coast, and I had to get back to the exact location where they dropped me off. It was kind of like a little special thing I had to line up. That was fun. That's really fun. That's really unique. That's a fun story. So um, and that's all the questions I have for you guys. I really appreciate everything. So is there any, anything else you'd like to, any of you'd like to add here in, in closing? I will say, you know, earlier you asked the question of what your special moments are. One of them, for, for me, and really as a couple of us and I, was running our first ACE event. 
I think it was when Griffin opened at uh, Bush Gardens or right before that, the one with Kings of Mayhem. That, that year, the year before. But I remember pulling the event together, Liz and I worked on it together, and just having that come off and how happy everybody in the region was to have an ACE event, you know, talk to the, the, the park GM and having the picnic meal and knowing that we helped make that happen. That was cool. That was, that was a little special. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I agree. Being a regional rep for ACE has probably been one of the most fun things I do. You know, giving a ton of time is sometimes hard. It's hard to figure out when to get it done. But getting to see our members on that other level of what they enjoy in the event and what do they like about what our region does. I just love that special connection I get to have and get to know everybody on a higher level because of being the regional rep. That makes sense. I can imagine that's, you know, makes things really unique and exciting and fun. Absolutely. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your, uh, your uh, morning here with me a little bit guys and, and sharing your stories. I, I'm, I'm really very uh, inspired by how, you know, being a part of ACE, and sharing this common hobby, which involves, tra- involves travel, and and you know has all the involves all these fun stories that you wind up collecting over the years, and and really how this has helped you be close as a family. I mean, that, I think that's what matters most, and I really think that's awesome. I, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it, and um, have fun at IAPA. Thanks, Andrew. All right, thank you very much to Andrew and our very first uh, Coaster family, the Ringus family. If you'd like to be a Coaster family, all you have to do is drop us a line at podcast at aceonline.org. And uh, Chris, I think that wraps things up. I think so. It's been a great February. Looking forward to the parks opening up a little bit later. And a big thank you, of course, as always, to our entire Ace team behind us for helping us out on this podcast. We sound good because of you guys. Also, don't forget to comment, like, and share through your favorite streaming services. Uh, Give us a rating, too. Let us know how we're doing. And, hey, you could win that No Limits Limits game if you you give us a little rating and give us a positive review and feedback. Absolutely. Well, Clint, until next time, I got to go ride some coasters. How about you? Uh, Very close. March. March, I'm riding coasters. Well, technically, I can go downstairs and ride a coaster right now. But, uh, yes, the big (laughs) coaster's open in March. I'm ready. Let's do it. See you guys next time. All right. See you guys. Ride With Us is volunteer produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts. ACE is a registered 501c3 charitable organization founded for the preservation and enjoyment of roller coasters around the world. Visit aceonline.org for more information.